Welcome to Family Features, a podcast for anyone who wants to experience healthy relationships within their family. This is Dr. Corey Gilbert, and I'm honored to come alongside you to encourage, educate, and equip you as we focus on the different relationships that make us family. Let's get started and focus on today's feature. Welcome to the Family Features Podcast. My name is Dr. Corey Gilbert, and today I have a conversation with James Woodall. James, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yes, I'm looking forward to this because this is such an important topic. What's your area of your superpower or area of expertise? Ooh, that's a that's a good question. I feel like I'm still trying to figure that out every day. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I really do. Um, I think my superpower, I would say, is helping people understand, you know, what wealth is, how to build it, um, take it over for them if need be, and help them just get that financial peace of mind. That's why it's my mission statement okay. is to, you know, hey, it can be complicated. Let's make it easy and comfortable. Nice. And I can't even put those together, money and and easy. Like <laughs> that's, <laughs> that. Ugh, yikes. So tell us more about how you got into this. How did you get into wealth management and doing that kind of work? Yeah, so um, kind of a long story. I'll see how, how fast I can shorten it down. Uh, I was originally in engineering in college and did all the hard classes and realized I'm really bad at this. <laughs> and, you know, solid solid C and sometimes D student and that wasn't really my, my thing. And then I moved over to economics and uh, actually picked up a class for a agriculture class in futures and commodities trading. Uh, made a lot of sense because we were as Texas Tech, we're in Lubbock. That's like the largest cotton farms in the world are out there. Mm. And so I learned how basically kind of how the market works and how to trade essentially. Uh, and then from there, I got real lucky. So at the time when I graduated, it was really hard to find a job. And I got lucky with uh, a large company, I guess, I guess I could say it's so I went to work at Fidelity. Um, they were great. They picked me up and I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I sat in multiple roles from operations to being an advisor there and really kind of found my passion at that point Nice for being an advisor in wealth management, just because the conversations I had with clients were mm-hmm. so much fun, um, helping people kind of realize how things work. And, and that just light bulb went off. You know, I felt the stress released from the, you know, the back of my back, essentially, the day I realized I wanted to be an advisor and have my own firm, and it's been full throttle ever since. Nice. And now you do have your own firm, correct? I do. I do. So just started the firm earlier this year. What is it, 2022? Feels like it's nice. been a long year already. So <laughs> that's been great. It's been fun. It's been exciting. It allows me to do things like this and mm-hmm. keep sharing all the information. Neat. Yeah. And you've got some great, great information on your website, uh, which I forgot your name of your website. Make sure woodallwealthmanagement.com. Um, yep. It's a mouthful. I'm uh, yeah, real clever well, coming up with names. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we'll, we'll have the link down below, but what all wealth management.com you, so what do you do with that? Like what's your role with, I'm, I'm clueless when it comes to this. So how do you help people? Yeah, absolutely. So kind of my process is I go and talk to families, uh, families and family businesses are kind of my, my niche. Nice. And I'll talk to them and, and we all have, you know, typically a big need that we need to solve. That's generally why when I talk to people, it's what are your needs? What do you want out of life? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, uh, especially now, it's, you know, hey, the market's doing bad. What, what do I do? Can you help right. me? And, and what I do is I base everything off of your goals that you want in your life mm-hmm. and the values, the way you want to live your life. 
So when I have those two things, we effectively build what's called a financial plan. It's a living, breathing document that I use on online. And we kind of say, okay, well, what do we want in life and why? Because money is a tool. It's nothing more, nothing less, right? Right. It's just a tool. Right. And so we say, okay, well, we have all this money, this wealth, these assets. Well, here's the goals I want in life. And here's kind of why I want to live my life and how with the values. So we kind of put those two things together we say, cool, well, we have a rough financial plan. Like for me, I'm a stupid car guy. So I want, you know, a particular car. I want this old Shelby Mustangs. I think they're really cool. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of fun to have. So it's one of my things I like out of life is just having fun. That's one of my values. Another one is I want a place for my whole family to be up in the mountains, not near Oregon, although I'm still seriously getting tempted in that picture in the background, <laughs> uh, but Idaho as well. And I, like, hey, yep. I wanted a large place for the family to go there. So part of my plan is to have the fun, stupid car, put a smile on faces, but also have that large family state, you could say, to say, right. hey, let's go there and have a good time. So that's part of my plan. Nice. And yep. That's what I do. Yep. That's kind of how I bring it all and put it all together, plus manage the investments as well. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And that's a yeah, that's another whole world from from where I've lived and what I've done. Um, but you basically are sitting with people and you're helping them. And it's it's interesting. It's the number one area where couples tend to fall off the rails. How they handle their money. You've got two people that think very different. How they manage their their finances. Oh, absolutely. I always use my parents as an example. I mean, they grew up in two totally different circumstances. My mom is, you know, Canadian, was born in Canada, and then uh, moved down here in her teens. Well, my dad grew up in Arkansas, and then, you know, totally different family histories. And so you kind of have that natural tug and pull, mm -hmm. um, which is, is great. And that's why I kind of always am curious about these conversations, especially when I use the value piece as well, mm -hmm. is you, know, you may have two completely different values. And that's always interesting, but generally what I found is there's one or two values that kind of combine. Mm -hmm. Nice. And, and we start kind of building towards that way. It's um, it's always interesting. I'm always curious to hear your thoughts on this too, because I'm always, sometimes I feel awkward facilitating those conversations. Um, so I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts on how to go through those. Well, it's neat that you focus on the value piece. It's, you know, your goals and you mentioned the values, because I think that's one that gets left out of the picture oftentimes. Or even there's a push towards you need to have these goals. It's like, but they don't line up with my values. And so what does that look like for um, aging, you know, like an aging couple, aging family? Um, but also what does it look like for a 20-something-year-old who really isn't thinking about this, which is, I think, a lack of our education um, to, for young people about financial stewardship. Um, so it's just kind of we go get a job, make money. But how many are they get a little bit of a raise? I know we've done this, but then they increase their outcome, you know, their outgo drastically. They they don't they're not living within their means. They're trying to live like the American government, like they can print money or something. <laughs> exactly, and it's tough, right? I mean, let, let's be honest, it's tough. You have lots of people in lab coats. Like I used to do product design. You know, how do you kind of get into that brainstem mm -hmm. um, of making people's decision making? And it's tough. Right. And then, of course, you see things like Instagram and TikTok, that gross thing, and kind of Facebook and everything else. Yeah. What you see everyone doing this, you go, oh, that's fine. And next thing you know, you're in $30,000 credit card debt, 20% interest rate, and it just eats you alive. Right. So, and, and I couldn't agree with you more. The, um, 
the education piece is certainly an issue um, in the country. However, I will say there's definitely a, a craving for it and a demand. Yes. Uh, I've noticed to, to be educated in this and to make the right decisions. And yeah, I think the millennials and Gen Zers, I guess it would be, are really coming onto the scene with a very different mentality about money and about life, positives and negatives. How many of them are now not wanting to get jobs? they're not wanting to work and that's the negative i think it's like no anything worth in a sense fighting for takes effort and so that's another really big piece but then like you mentioned i think in our conversation earlier the you can build something as big as you want to build it you can build like a business that's just you mm -hmm. it doesn't have to become a company of 50 or 100 but the next person might want to build that 50 company of 50 or 100 and that's their journey too so be careful how we compare and so that's the value piece exactly and that's it's always fascinating i like said these are my favorite conversations because i love these because this is near and dear to my heart what i want to do with my firm and that's how do you build a firm or a company with a legacy i um, love that word yeah it's tough and thank you it's, it's a hard one to find and define right um because ultimately what we do because i always kind of go back to the values is when we look at you know ourselves the next generation the generations moving forward there's so many things at play uh one of the biggest ones is your values and the way you act people are going to repeat what you're doing even if you say something different it's how you're acting they're going to follow so if you're not lined up with your values and your goals aren't lined or how you're building your business, well, people are going to see you saying one thing, but you're doing another and they're going to do, follow what you're doing. They're going to copy you. Um, in fact, there's a report, the only reason why I know this was the name of my dorm, uh, it was called the Coleman Report that showed kids tend to basically be a copy in not just DNA of their parents, but also how they act, how they interact. You're essentially going to be whatever your parents did very strong correlation of you being right there with them. Yeah, yeah so and that's interesting so stuff. many areas. If you think of from religion and faith to who they like or dislike or who they're against or so the culture of that family is so critical. It is that legacy is you're passing on. And I see it kind of, they, they do two things. They either grab on to mom and dad's actions less than their words, or they reject they go to the extreme, extreme opposite. They push back and go to the the absolute other extreme kind of rebellion, but also trying to figure themselves out. And so we have yeah, a and that's huge something, burden there. Go ahead. Oh yeah, and that was something I read about, uh, I was reading something about teenagers, and that's like the natural course of the teenager is to mm -hmm. test the parents, which I thought was very fascinating. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then you know, that's when you kind of learn patience as a parent. Like I'm not a parent, so I don't want to say what I've learned and, and seen, but not truly experienced. Yeah, um, I've told so my teens. Totally myself. Yeah, I've told my teens um, many times. So I can make your teen years uh, a living, you know, <laughs> hell, <laughs> or it can be great. <laughs> a lot of it's how we work as a team because I'm on your side, but I'm also going to not let you kind of get a free pass here and. So it's going to be tough and teaching that work ethic and taking care of things. And like they know when we return from a camping trip, which we did a few days ago, um, like we don't just walk in the house and we're done. It's now we bring stuff in, we clean up, we put things away, we start laundry, we we go through a process. 
um, not leaving things half done, which drives them crazy. But I bet you, fast forward, why this is what my dad did with me, they will see the value of, you know what, if we take care of it, it lasts longer and we don't lose things. And so. Yeah, it really, you know, that maintenance piece is something that's kind of fascinating. Um, you know, when we look at things through like a kind of an investment side of things, you need to, you may not always have to make changes, but you need to maintain accounts is what we tell folks, you know, mm -hmm. keep an eye on it, you know, make updates. Uh, as your life changes, maybe your plan changes, keep that maintenance going. And it's not just saying that, because remember as a kid, like I started working at I think 15 as a lifeguard mm -hmm. and just those things I learned then still carry forward to today. Yeah. So much, so many years later. So that's, that's interesting. I never really kind of thought about it in that, that lens. I remember my first job was at McDonald's and, and then later I worked at a different McDonald's, but to see the differences um, of the leadership, one of them, if you stood around for even a minute, they were kind of jumping on you, clean something, stock something, do, do, do. The other one laid back, very chill. It drove me crazy. Mm -hmm. The idea of just sitting around, no, it's productivity. Come on, come on. It makes a day go faster. Um, it's more, I mean, there's more energy from that. I didn't like the this other one, which is a different, a different person's speed, a different leadership style, if you will. Um, and you start learning so, that. It's funny you say that. So there's uh, something I've been kind of talking to some of the, the families and some other friends as well about mm -hmm. uh, the kind of, the, I, I've been trying to come up with a name for it, but you know, the three main things in a life that we need, and, and this actually came from the Federal Reserve's research of all places, where it's the three main things you need in life to you know, live a productive life, I think is probably the best way to say it, is autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And I like those three it's, words. It's fascinating. And, and this all came from basically a study on if bonuses make you perform better. Mm. Turns out, I'm actually, I'm actually, it's funny, I'm actually now anti-bonus, the more I've learned about this. Uh -huh. um, and that if it's a basic, like let's say you're hammering a nail, a bonus will make you make you perform better. But as soon as it becomes anything more than rudimentary, even just a, a, a slight calculation, we fall apart. Uh, and they found that people perform worse. And they did this all over the country, huh. different world, all over the world, different cultures, different Interesting. Uh, socioeconomic classes. And they proved, they said that basically, if, if you can have people, you, you effectively pay them to where they don't need to worry about money, pay them to where they're comfortable. Uh, I think that dollar now sits around. 90 ish thousand dollars a year give or take with inflation so and if you even yourself even in retirement you pay yourself this but you focus on that autonomy the mastering the purpose mm -hmm. you live a pretty good life yeah well that's crazy and i know at different parts of the country it's different kind of levels of what's comfortable and you think of that i think you said ninety thousand. how many teachers make half that or less mm -hmm. certain professions um, I work in ministry stuff. I work at, you know, Christian university. And so I'll never make that ever, ever, ever make that. So it's like, so then what about those people? And I'm thinking of some of the families I know that would be listening to this, that they homeschool their kids. They've sacrificed. They aren't dual income families. They're, you know, one income families or even less than one income is what it seems like. How do you manage, like, how do you even think about talking to someone like you or is that something they don't do 
because only a person who's got a lot of money in the bank talks to a, a wealth management person. So that's the beauty of this industry. Uh, there is something for everybody. And that's the hard part is there's something for everybody. <laughs> uh, and and I'll be honest, that's the hardest part because you kind of like you say, okay, like, where do I start? Mm-hmm. that's the hardest part you know i am candidly i'm a believer in in finding someone that has at least the cfp certification which is, is one of the highest certifications you can get um preferably at a, a independent place because okay. they have that flexibility that the larger firms may have different quotas or or okay. things they need to do um that's just kind of my personal opinion yeah okay and honestly pick up the phone call you know i've never met an industry where everyone's so generous it's not like what you see in the movies you know of course there's such people out there but if you, yeah. if you just call and start talking to people you know if you're not a good fit let's say for me you may be a good fit for someone else i know let me make an introduction for you and you meet some of the coolest people doing this mm-hmm. and that's kind of what i recommend i tell everyone is just Go online, um, you know, shameless plug for the CFP board. They have a good website and you can say find an advisor and you can start finding people Yeah, and they'll talk. There's, there's always so many cool people out here that are in this industry. And, and do, they need to live, the right do they need to live where you live or do they need to be, can they be anywhere? Uh, so it depends on the firm. So for my firm, I am 100% remote. So it's the pros and cons are... Yeah. If you live in Alaska, I may not be able to see you, but if I can get an excuse to go to Alaska, <laughs> let's make it happen. Yeah, oh, let's make totally it happen. Same let's here. go. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's, I always wanted to go. Um, yeah. But other firms, you know, want to be local. It really just okay. depends. Okay. And that's where you kind of find, it's like dating, you know, go, go meet a few different people, see what you like, what you don't like, and figure out who you want to start a partnership with. And then in that partnership, it's, are you, I guess there's different levels of that partnership because it's not like dating there, <laughs> but there's yeah. different levels where you're, you might just be giving a little bit of advice and direction for some people and there's not really money exchanged. But then over here, there's, I mean, that's how you get paid in the end. There's people you're actually doing work for. They're hiring you to do something that they can't or don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And that's where your bread and butter are. I mean, that's where it is, right? So yeah, that it, whole it doesn't gamut. mean... Yeah, it doesn't mean you don't want to help someone. I mean, I've certainly done it, do it quite often. Or hey, if I, I, it, it may not work out for us. That's okay. I still want to help you. Right. I see you be successful. Like, why? Why would I not want to do that? Right. And, and there's it's, a lot of firms that will do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I do too in counseling. Is I I have a on my website. You can go and book a even just a free consult, and we talk, and we'll talk through where a person's at. And um, for a lot of people, that's all they needed. That's it. And honored to. And for others, it moves into something more, and that's great too. But um, it sounds like you do a very similar kind of model, if you will. Absolutely, and you know, let's be selfish. I, it makes me feel great. Yeah, it, it feels good. <laughs> it, it feels good. I'll yeah. be honest, it feels great. Good point. And and that's so that's kind of how my model is. You know, I do a um, I charge an asset under management fee. It's kind of how a very common way people operate. But I also do a subscription fee, like Netflix. Nice. Or okay. uh, also like a one-time fee, just because there may be situations where, hey, this is very complex. I know you need the help, but you don't need me other than this one time because you may be older. Or we would do the quarterly meetings, of course, or we'd say, hey, I don't want to deal with it at all. You're too busy or I don't want to deal with it. Yeah. You take care of it. And that's, 
where I come in as to how do I make that flexible for somebody else? And we just go nice. from there. Nice, nice, and nice. Yeah, always break it down. That's why I kind of like the independent folks because you have that option. You can be more flexible. Right. And you can always find someone you like. That's neat. And I think that's important what you said about finding someone you like, like being someone that you can call up, that you can email, that you can, whatever the means of communication has been, that's been set up, that you can reach out to is a critical um, a critical uh, relationship because it is your money. Mm-hmm. It's, it's your money. It's not yours. The person's money is like how to, this is a scary vulnerability piece too. Um, that's- oh, and, yeah. And, and you get in what you put out of it. I, I, uh, you know, I was meeting with someone yesterday and, you know, we were having a beer and just kind of catching up like, hey, how's life going? How are you doing? And she was saying, you know, I'm like, can I have some issues, you know, with the, the fiance? Like, I don't know which route we should go. Let's, let's just chat about it. Let's see what comes up. And because she was being vulnerable, it allowed me to say, oh, I didn't think about X, Y, Z. Mm-hmm. let's go this route. And literally this morning before we chatted, I was building her plan and found out going the different route because that one nugget of things that she just said in passing made, made a substantial difference in her plan. That's awesome. That's wonderful. It, and that's the best part, right? I mean, yeah. so it, it, you build a relationship and I think, you know, you find what works for you. I'm a big believer in, you know, my clients that say it's a lifelong plus, you know, relationship because yeah. I want to be there for the kids. Yeah, for the grandkids, you know, help them through their lives and their phases and cycles of life. And they realize well, it, hey, this is great. So let me ask you a weird question that just came to mind. You think thinking about legacy, we know that families who actually do have a substantial amount of um, finances and they pass that down to their kids, that it doesn't tend to go well. It doesn't yes, that's- always bless. It actually tends to be almost a curse. Yes. What do you do with that? What's the the, what do you like how do you prevent that if you will so i uh this is really where i like to have fun um because it doesn't have to be stressful right this right. can be fun yeah i'll let you say that because I, I, <laughs> <laughs> like, I tell her like just take a breath guys take a breath it's gonna be okay like just yes. breathe <laughs> so so it, there's there's a lot of ways you could do this um the way I do this is there's a term called a family office. Um, that's kind of the way we run it, where typically family offices, you know, in the past used to be four folks that had $50 million in assets. And I said, well, let's just bring it down to the level of the normal people in our country, maybe not the Rockefellers or the, you know, the so-and-sos. So what we do is you got to kind of run it like a business. Mm-hmm. Um, when we think about the first generation, the second, this is something that I hammer every time, no matter who I talk to, is the first generation, that the tenacity and persistence that they use to build that wealth yep. is the second generation and ons. You know, responsibility, it truly is a responsibility, no matter what, above all else, is to be educated with the same tenacity and persistence in finances. I love that. They have to be educated. Yeah. So education there is first for your descendants, if you will. Yes. Education in what? Like, so, you know, I like say education finances. And, so just basically how to manage finances or? Just what it is. Right. Um, it's a tool. You know, it's a tool. Mm-hmm. And understand, you know, you don't have to go to school. You don't have to be a licensed advisor, but, you know, maybe read a handful of books or partner up with someone that you trust like that 
you know, the advisors I say for the family and it's their mission. So for me, for some clients, it's my mission to educate the others. Mm-hmm. That's my job where I'll spend more time educating them than anything else because they need to know what's happening. Yeah. Because let, let's call it what it is. There, there is, you know, snake oil salesman in this industry, Correct. like every other one. So how do you be careful? How do you protect yourself? How do you not make a mistake? Mm-hmm. And we kind of go through that. Uh, and there's a handful of ways to do it. My personal favorite way, I learned from John Favreau, of all people, um, read in one of the books that I read. And uh, he talked about when he brings on a new uh, cast, because everyone goes and cooks dinner together. And so you typically think like the director up here, like the A-list actor, and kind of the extras down here. But when you're eating and you're cooking together, everyone comes the same. Mm-hmm. And so I learned that from him. That's one of the things I like to do is say, okay, you know, maybe grandpa and grandma are up here and dad's down here and grandkids down here. So we don't always feel comfortable asking certain questions or you don't want to ask the stupid question. So let's cook dinner together. And I'm a big fan of cooking massive obnoxious steaks. So <laughs> let's cook a big giant steak together and make the sides and everything come together. And then let's level everything out. And as we're doing that, we just start talking and facilitating a conversation. That's neat. Because you got to think about it like a business. When you do that, some wonderful things happen. Uh, I know one person in particular who they thought was going to kind of be the family steward, take it over. And she said, I want nothing to do with this. This makes me nauseous. I threw up before we even had this meeting. Oh. So, yeah, it, it, because it was, just, it was just, I want nothing to do with this. My girlfriend's the same way. She's like, I want nothing to do with this. Yeah. So I said, that's interesting. Okay, so we found a, a gap. Let's solve for that gap as a business. And then let's bring in the brother, some advisors, different team members and family members and say, hey, it's kind of your mission if you want out of your life is to get the family taken care of from a financial and mm-hmm. you know, other point of view. Yeah. Well, because we see like Britney Spears and all of her drama with someone else in control of her money. We see that with almost every child actor someone mm-hmm. else in control of their money and then they become an adult, but they don't really turn into an adult or the affluenza where this rich yes. kid gets away with murder almost literally because, well, I didn't know. I think that was here in Fort Worth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. Um, and it's like, so how to, I, I think you're right. It's the teaching, the educating, but it's interesting when you think of that building. So you have that first generation that built wealth it's so sad to see how like if you think of a business where it's father and sons the sons doesn't they don't tend to have the same investment no matter what you really do unless it's reborn in them and it becomes there so like if you look at what the duck dynasty brothers have done yeah the dad had the idea it was a small business until the one of the sons took it over and if you look the dad still lives in a small little you know, humble place, but I love the picture you said of the table, like they all come to dinner together every, like every show, but the idea of equalizing and letting even those little kids ask questions and know the money doesn't just go to you. Like, so then, and that's the next question is, so how do you, how does there not, uh, I guess that entitlement, how does there not develop entitlement to that next generation that's tough. So, I, I mean, one of it comes down to parenting, right? Yeah. Um, let's call <laughs> exactly. it what it is. It's parenting. Um, and another one is, you know, you got to teach them 
the cost of it. Uh, I know one person uh, who's very fortunate, uh, basically bought a piece of land in the middle of nowhere in West Texas, got lucky as soon as fracking became real popular and was getting paid a large amount of money. And because he worked as a kid, worked real hard, his parents put him in brutal sports. He's a freak athlete for, a, I think he played like five-man football. Um, he actually was able to handle that, that shock to the system. Mm-hmm. And then no one to ask for help. And last I heard, he's like fishing somewhere. He just fishes all day. <laughs> so he's doing, he's, you know, he's living his dream. Um, well, others, you know, how do you say, how we handle that shock to the system? Either one, I'm a big believer in telling the kids, hey, this is happening. You know, you may have this in your future. And I think that's a very personal decision between parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, hey, you have this coming in your future. However, maybe not add strings to it, but maybe there can be a way of adding conditions, um, okay. such as, hey, you may need to graduate college or, you know, kind of think that bonus that may not be the best idea, but hey, we want you to work. We want you to do this. We're going to give you choices. You know, you have like three that. choices in parenting. I like and that. then yeah. Choices. Yeah. What choice works for you? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a story I heard that I really liked. Um, there's a family in Houston where the the father and mother built this just massive concrete construction empire. And their 50s, they decided to sell it, I think, for let's say $150 million. And did very well, you know, they gave a lot back to the city. They're big into philanthropy. And they said, hey, um, kids, they had like three kids, they said, you know what, we're going to give you each $5 million each when we pass. And the remaining money is going to go to the MD Anderson Cancer Center because, you know, hey, we, I had cancer, it did well for me. So we're going to get them taken care of. And the kids were still, you know, raising, you say, right, raised appropriately. He said, well, you know, this is great. You know, thank you for the money. It gives us a huge like up for the next generation. But, you know, they kind of equated money to love and that the parents love their business. Well, I thought you'd be loved us, you'd give us $50 million each. And so it was always kind of there in the back of their minds that it just didn't seem right. Mm-hmm. But they still, you know, took care of their parents, still did the right thing. And so it's always kind of something you think about with the next generation, how do you prepare them? Well, I heard of another story where similar, similar kind of situation, father did very well, as a big part of the ministry. And uh, I think it was like 200 million, something crazy, like these large numbers. Yeah. And he said, hey guys, you know, you have two options. I'll either give you, I think it's like same situation, like three kids, I'll give you each like $15 million each. And then the rest is going to go to the foundation or you get a million dollars each and you get the option to run the foundation. Kids took the option to run the foundation because it gave them that autonomy, that mastery, and that purpose. Yeah. It allowed them to pay themselves. They could be comfortable and they could be focused on really having a main purpose and a mission. And I think the purpose is where we lose it. Yeah. I think we're losing autonomy and that's another whole subject with our government and mm-hmm. the lack of people, lack of workers and people that want to work and people trusting the government, which is ridiculous. That's a whole nother conversation oh yeah i can talk about that for days yeah yeah but the the um, purpose that's what i see in my work as a counselor is adult men who have no purpose and yes, it's like it's a terrifying you thing are scary and your kids are looking at you going i don't want to be you i don't want to marry you a person like you i don't want anything to do with you and so like purpose is so important and it does i think impact when it's a second generation and then a third we lose sight. It's kind of like, even as a Christian, you can't be a grandchild of God. You're a child of God. <laughs> uh, exactly. No. 
and you're not a great grandchild of God. It's so it's like, it's gotta be personal. So that purpose has to be mine. So how I'm not going to maybe build that concrete business, but I'm a steward of this money. My parents, their answer was because they've been in ministry, but they're going to make sure they spend it all before they're dead. But <laughs> that's yeah, other nothing family. wrong with that either. Nothing yeah. wrong with that either. Yeah. Um, my, my in-laws, they fly out to visit us a lot and they're just reminding us, this is us spending your retire your, your uh, inheritance. We're like, we're fine with that. We'd rather have you alive and see you and not have that than some people who almost kind of hoard it all um, and then leave actually a mess for their kids. So. Yeah, that's actually, so that's my purpose. That's my why is, um, you know, when I started, the reason why I started my firm this way and doing it this particular way is because when my grandpa passed, um, okay. you know, things were okay, but things changed last minute right before he passed. And then when my, I guess you say set grandma passed, uh, you know, a few years later, it was a mess. Um, we didn't see an uncle that lived a mile away. I haven't talked to that uncle in probably 20 years. Oh gosh. Yeah. So yeah. And that's why it's, you know, people aren't always educated in my tool, you know, just this kind of this jealousy, this greed thing kind of comes out and you start going, Oh, it's, it's mine. Yeah. So and that entitlement. Exactly. That entitlement's rough. And when we think about, you know, especially adult men that don't have a purpose, it's terrifying. It actually kills economies, kills countries. Um, so it's finding that. I remember uh, I met a guy named Frosty. Frosty was a big wave surfer and took a few shots to the head. And you could tell, but he was a great guy. Loved him to death. <laughs> and he talked about, you know, getting out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. and, and he used the analogy of big wave surfing where he had a kid come out and uh, effectively, you know, he's like, I want to be a big wave surfer. And he goes, nope, not going to happen. Kept coming out, kept coming out. And finally said, okay, fine. And he started doing little waves. And he started, you know, getting out more and more out of his comfort zone to where he was surfing Mavericks, you know, the biggest waves out there. And because he gets slowly and slowly kept getting outside of his comfort zone. And I think that might be a thing where it's easy to be comfortable. We have systems in place. We have, you know, from not just a, a technology point of view, but cultural, political systems in place to where it's easy to stay there. You kind of live an okay life, I guess, you know, just drifting through it. But if you want more out of it, you got to get outside your comfort zone. And how do you do that? You know, it's experimenting, trying new things. Uh, and you got to have that purpose. Failing. There's going to be that yes. why. If there's not that why, then I will punch that clock and I will do that job. A study I saw a number of years ago before this last few years um, said that 70% of Americans hate their job. Mm -hmm. It's like, if that's truly true, it's back to that. Then why would kids want to be like their parents if their parents hated their life? So I think, I know you're, even this conversation is challenging me because I, I come from a ministry family and kind of the, not we're always poor mentality, but we have to be careful. And so like, I remember a pastor one time, uh, I was at a, this church in, in Dallas, actually in Grapevine. And he said, you know what? We don't tell our kids we can't afford it. We tell our kids, we choose how we spend our money. And it changed everything for me. One little phrase, I'd walk down the Walmart aisle and see the $150 Lego set. And I would normally before say, um, oh, we can't afford that. And all of a sudden, I to my little kids, I'm like, okay, that's a, I love that. I want that too. But we have to choose what goes in order for us to buy that or for you to buy that. And all of a sudden, I put the weight on them and if they really wanted it, they would work hard for it. 
or they would go, yeah, that is a lot. And they would choose something different or they want immediate gratification. So they choose something small, but that's that fascinating everything. to say that. Mm -hmm. I got to write that down. That's, that's amazing. Cause that, yeah. that's fascinating because so many ways I want to go with this, but if you think about, I've heard stories about, you know, how old you teach your children about finances, money, spending, those mental models. I've heard people say three years old, which I thought was interesting, which kind of makes sense. If you think about it, when can they do addition and subtraction and how do you sort of give them choices? So I thought one thing that was interesting was, Hey, here's the family budget on toys or extra or whatever. Here's how we, everyone gets to choose how they spend their money. And here it is. I mean, here's what we have for the month. You get to decide. And it's fascinating. I've heard stories where basically they just don't spend it. They, you know, save it, yeah. give it for a bigger expense. Yeah, or pull it together um, or like, yeah, siblings pull it together and get something cooler or, yeah. Yeah, that's what I, this weekend I was literally talking to my mom about that was, hey, how's the, you know, because we want to get a rental property. Well, the family kind of pulls it in together. How do we make that happen? What's that look like? Nice. And if anything, it's just having the conversation. Exactly. Just and that's where I think a lot of families don't do it. They don't have the conversations. And so on the money it's hard, side. It's hard, it's awkward. Yeah, and on the money side, the amount of you know teenagers I know that have no clue how much gas costs, how much um, electric electricity at their house costs, how much their mortgage or rent costs. It's like no, you need to know these things because you need to know where they were and where they are, and what's realistic for you. Otherwise, you graduate from high school or maybe college with this entitlement already there and not intentionally. And this is what I see is where it's like, I graduate and now I want to have everything my parents worked 40 years for now. It's like, no, they worked for that. So you need to get the tiny house or you need to rent here for this period of time. And you need to, how do you be wise? You can't buy the $50,000 car today. You could, but it's going to be a sacrifice. Yeah. If you want the car, then you need to, what else is going to go? You know, like I've always had a motorcycle yeah. and I had cheap little motorcycles. And then eventually I bought this crazy $4,000 motorcycle, which is just so expensive in my mind. Had that one for years. And then now I have a Harley. I worked my way up towards the bike I've wanted for years. And I love this one. And I still miss my Honda sometimes because it ran better. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I'm Sounds about right. Sounds about right piece of clothes I own says Harley on them. So I was a wannabe for years. Um, but everyone else has different values because mine switched a number of years ago, moving to Oregon to be much more outdoors. And so in our garage, we have tents out the wazoo and every kind of camping gadget. And I became more into that. And it's been fun um, to have that interest, if you will. And yeah, it's a more you know, purposeful life and you get to enjoy, you know, God's beauty, right? When it became like, with my kids. So that's where, mm -hmm. that's where the, the value became for me. It was family. Um, I used to, I golfed when I met my wife, I started golfing with her dad, really enjoyed that. I was surprised because it sounds so cheesy. And then when we had our first <laughs> kid, I quit playing because I was like, I can't justify four hours of being away after being gone for work. And then started playing a, a year ago with my middle son and it's just, you know, once every few months, but it's like, I love this, but I don't love it enough to make it my innocent idol, which is where I think a lot of people yeah. do that. They actually make, um, they make 
different things they're idle, if you will, um, whether it's money itself or having certain things or these families that live for the vacations, but they aren't living when they're home. That's interesting you say that. It's, it's um, oh, I think Jim Carrey said that he says it's lonely at the top. Yeah. Yeah, I think he and, said one time, and, I wish everybody could have to be famous or be rich like us. You'll hate it. It's like, yeah. Yeah, and that's where it comes to like, how do you define wealth? You know, what is your definition of wealth? Is it a dollar? Is it family around you? Like, what do you want out of life? And, yeah, and I, don't, I think the hard part, exactly. Like, do people want? you know, to have those discussions, they want to be vulnerable. Like when we think about, you know, I talk about these like family meetings, they're hard, mm -hmm. they're awkward, especially the first time, they're really awkward, <laughs> like embarrassing. Like my family doesn't know they're going to have one this year. Like that's going to be really awkward and you have to run it like a business, you know, like how do you, do you, do you how do you, do you run that like back at your, so you're virtual, do you run that by going to people's houses or? yes yeah that's 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 the way i like to do it nice. or go somewhere different get out of there get out of your own nice. head. get out of your comfort zone um you know we did this a lot so so when i was working on that that product development side this is actually kind of where i picked it up from to be honest yeah. was uh they do debriefs they do retrospectives and it's like okay well how do we do it better Love and that. if you get out of your own head get out somewhere different because remember those those status whether you want it or not it's there mm -hmm. get out somewhere different sit in a circle if you can and, you know little subtle things yeah and have those conversations but run it like a business here's an agenda that we have we're going to stick the agendas who's going to take notes have that purpose That's and awesome. you have the you have that autonomy because you're the ones doing it or someone else is coming in and keeping you on track as a facilitator mm -hmm. but it's still you it's still just for you there is no right answer the wrong answer is just not doing it mm -hmm. And going through there and seeing what comes up. Uh, I'm curious to see what happens in my family this year. I, I can't wait to see what happens. And I'm going to send out an email and here's an agenda that's set up. You know, here's, you know, I, one thing I heard that I really liked is adding affirmations in there. What do you like about different yeah. people? Because yeah. you, you might have blind spots you don't realize. And we were talking about earlier, like, where are the strengths? No, oh, you know, we all have blind spots. Goodness, yes. So it's more of finding yeah, your blind spots. Yeah, if it's finding those, it's admit you have them and be intentional at listening to others and hey wow you see something that i don't see and that should be marriage your marriage partner should be someone that has permission to kind of call you out on gently carefully lovingly in private not in public but to be able to say hey blind spot um and that's I like that that's a minimal i think even in marriage is that you have a partner who has that permission to to speak into your life in a way that hurts. It's not fun, but it's not about fun. It's about growing and even expanding. And I mean, I do stuff now I never dreamed I could do. And part of it's because I have a partner who believed in me and pushed me and encouraged me. And actually today's our 19th uh, wedding anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you. So it's 19 years of her putting up with me and <laughs> lots of adventure. <laughs> Um, then it's amazing to think about that partnership there, but then we have our kids and it's like, they tend to be almost like an appendage. It's like, no, they need to be brought in too on some of these, especially when it comes to the wealth conversations and financial, the stewardship, what is money? 
Um, like I told our Boy Scouts a few weeks ago before our Boy Scout camp, I was like, every one of you better be earning your way to camp. Don't you expect your parents to pay for it? Some of the parents just paid for it. But others actually came up to me. I was like, yeah, I'm trying to do this. I'm collecting cans and I'm doing this and I'm mowing a yard. And it's like, you're awesome. You will like that. Don't expect them to do it. And so I'm curious about the kids that the parents pay for them if they wanted to do something. I think they, they wanted to go do it. I think they did want to go work for it, but they were not encouraged enough. They were not even from their family to, to, Hey, this is an expectation. Cause it's also about how you package it. If it's a command, we don't tend to go you know, do too well with that. Right. You know, like here, read this book. And it's like, no, even though if it's, even if it could be the best book in the world, versus this book changed my life but whatever <laughs> <We said. laughs> now, I don't, now i'm curious but now to is it earn like it coercion yeah exactly but to earn it is it changes everything same for that first car you can be given a car and it's not of the same value of i bought that car don't diss my piece of junk car because <laughs> mm-hmm. i bought that like that changes your relationship with that car or for me it was a bike because it's it's blood, sweat, and tears, right? It's it's um, exactly. this is when you, you can break it fundamentally all the way down. You know, even to add on to like the money's a tool, money is your time. It's the one thing you can't get back. And so how do you leverage your time? Yeah. You know, and I remember like when I first got my job lifeguarding, which was you know 95% boredom, 5% terror. Yes, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah I mean, I just remember the, like, oh, okay, I'm here. Like, it's 110 today. Uh-huh. Um, but when you jump in with someone and you, you go rescue them, it's a great feeling. It's also your adrenaline's pumping. Yeah. But when you think about it, you get your paycheck, you kind of go, oh, you know, one, taxes. You learn about taxes real quick. Yeah. Um, two, you think, oh, I did all of that. And it wasn't, in my mind, how for me personally was I did all that work and all that effort. You know, I remember one time thinking specifically, I saved a life. This is entitlement coming out. I saved a life. Why didn't I get paid more? Because it's your job. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and I kind of realized that. And it also drove me to say, hey, you know, you need to put yourself in a position where you can earn more for your time because you want to do so many things. For me, it's I tell everyone, my girlfriend hates it, 48 hours of things in 24 hours. And that's where the yeah. use of time but also even education. I'm a university professor. I strongly believe in education. I don't think education is the same today as it was even 10 years ago. Yeah. Most universities, I would not suggest sending your kid there. They will come out a mess of a person because of what's being taught in most universities across the country. Even mm-hmm. Christian universities that say they're Christian, I think many of them are not anymore. They're, they're indoctrinating and doing things that are un, unbiblical, if you will. So really? what do we do Mike Rowe is out there pushing for the trades. And I'm like, he's awesome. I he love Mike Rowe. Money love Mike Rowe. To, to get trained in the trades. We need that. So that's an option. But so then what about college? And it's like, it matters where you go. As in, it matters who you get advice from. So same for a financial planner. It matters who you trust, mm-hmm. who you seek counseling from. It matters their worldview. And if they don't line up with you, don't be surprised if now you're going a different direction than you thought you wanted to go because you're listening to someone that it's back to what you said about the values. If you as the helper don't 
listen to their values, you will probably lead them in a direction different than they wanted to go. Uh, so it's funny you say that. So I, I love micro, I love them to death. And I couldn't agree more with colleges. Um, you know, we did college planning. College is exceptionally expensive. Yeah. Um, and are you getting now the value out of it? Um, the beauty of capitalism, though, is that we're seeing actually changes now. I, I partnered with a, a smaller college out here in Dallas to help build a, a really cool program for them to get into um, to these larger firms. Mm -hmm. And it's fascinating that the dean said that I have all these kids coming in as juniors because there's so many of these college class, level classes now yep. in high school. And yep. I had that and I wish I took it because I was essentially sold when I went to my college and they said, Hey, like you have to come here for an engineering degree as a freshman. I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, I, my family, you know, I was the first to go for my parents. My parents both went, but then I was their first kid to go. Yeah. And I went to, I was like, this is just entry level, like, you know, math, English is a waste of time and money, but I love the football game. So I stayed mm -hmm. and had a great time and, and you know, it did cost it, you know, I had to pay student loans. Yeah. How to pay for it. So the parents, and it costs a little bit more. So it's where your value systems lie, what right. do you want? And, and yeah, colleges now are interesting places is the way to say it. Is that the nice way to say it? Uh, I'd say it's um, a cesspool is probably the word I would say for most of them. But and that's where I work at a small yep. Christian college that personally, if they change their mission, I'm out. I'll walk away tomorrow. Um, because to me, I got work there because it's the mission is to educate Christians to make a world, a difference in the world for Jesus Christ. As in, we're about training up the next generation to be focused on Christ and focused on changing the world for the better, not how can I, how can I build me? Um, so the how do they track that? How, how do you track your mission? So like, I think about it from like a business point of view, you know, like my business, like how am I tracking? How am I showing the definition? Like, what's my definition question. of success? Like, you know, how do I prove question. it? When I would say the alumni is part of that. Um, okay. Then it's also in the hiring process. So like they tighten down on more of their hiring. And I think that's wonderful. It's like, if you don't align with the mission, then you don't need to work here. The same for students. Mm -hmm. so the way that a lot of Christian schools have changed their mission, not intentionally, but they did, is they bring in students with drastically different worldviews but the more that come, the more the culture changes and the more they're drifting away. And then a few years later, they don't look like a conservative or a Christian school at all. They're very about the same thing that state, the state university down the street is about. So like currently here in Salem, Oregon, there's a huge university, Willamette University, one of the first schools out here on the West Coast that was actually founded to train wet Methodist missionaries. Hmm. Where is it today? It's one of the most secular. They've actually denounced any, like apologized for ever having anything to do with that in their history. But it's the same story of Harvard and Yale and all the other big schools yep. were all founded to be Christian training places. So we're not in the same world. And I know that. So it's like, how to then help our kids set up for a better future. I also agree that we're in a time where so many of these young people don't need an edu a college education to go make a lot of money. 
it's true. There's a there's a trend that's happening that I've noticed. And if I look at it from an economic point of view, there's a shock to the system of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also a shock to the ability to do business where people became comfortable with Zoom. Yeah. Uh, and the advisory world is actually a great thing for us because you know, for clients, you don't have to get take a day off, get dressed up, come see me wrong in suits and ties. I literally yep. am doing this in a bathing suit right now with my American flag bathing suit. Nice. Like, and it's it's the way it, it forced a shock to the system. But mm-hmm. people, I think, are now realizing this. They said, this is rotated so far this way, or I don't want to be a part of these people. Thankfully, we live in a country that allows us to say, I'm going to start my own business. I don't have to be a certain cast or a certain name behind me. I can go do this. Yeah. I think we're getting there and there's there's a trend that I think has been happening for the longest time is owning your own businesses, which actually creates a more efficient economy, a better economy. Everything's designed to go that way to get married, have a house, have, get married, have a home, have kids, start your own family. That is the way the tax law is written, the economic law, everything's designed to go that way. But we have a lot of noise from certain parts of the, the country that, you know, make a lot of noise and unfortunately have a lot of influence right now. But I think that's changing as well. You know, mm-hmm. when they say the, the, the light that burns twice as bright burns out twice as fast sometimes. Uh-huh. I like that is one. that what it is? I like yeah. that one. When another trend I see is a lot of those voices that are really loud, they're really in the end, anti-school and anti so many things, family that, mm-hmm. Well, who are they? They don't have kids. And it's so cool as to watch when they actually end up having kids and actually keeping the kids. So not murdering. Their kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. That changes your world. It absolutely rocks your world to become a parent. And it's actually part of the design we're meant to. I was horrified when I became a parent. I mean, I married first and then kind of did that in the right order, but I'm not ready for this. This is terrifying. This little thing that needs you 100% it changes your whole world but marriage does too yeah if you look at it because it does right and it forces you it's funny you're saying this I was thinking about this earlier when you said it was colleges today um, and in parenting and then having kids it's leadership right yes it's it's you know Warren Buffett always says when the economy goes out you see has their pants down for a company Maybe it's happening now culturally where the, the tide has gone out with the culture and you see who's the weak leader. Where are those weak leaders at? Because the, you see them showing up, right? You're doing yeah. this podcast. You're saying, this is my values. Do I stand by? I'm here. And you said, yeah, when you had the kids, it's, hey, I'm not ready for this, but I did it. Hmm. And from everything that we've chatted about, you know, it seems like a great father. And so we're going that route. So I think it's showing that you know, when you kind of think about the family's legacies and who you are, it's sometimes you got to be a leader and step up and make those hard choices and be vocal about it. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think they're out there. Like I'm not, not promoting anybody, but there was a CEO at Coinbase flat out said, he goes, here's our mission. Here's our goals. If you don't like it, leave. Yeah. Here will help you leave. Netflix did that recently too. That was awesome. I was like, yes. Cause that was amazing. Same for, and I know this gets kind of messy, but it's like same for the baker in Colorado that didn't want to make a cake for somebody. It's like, if I wanted to make cakes only for 
you know, some certain population and there's not that many people, the company would close. The system would shut me down without laws and without lawsuits and without drama. We've allowed for this drama to now become the way to silence people. And it's like, no, the system would have run its, it's going to run its course. If there's no mm -hmm. customers, then there's no income, which shuts it down. Like it needs to go back to that model of, of economic, like we put our money. And, and, where it is a, and look, it's self-writing, right? You know, you have the largest podcast in the world, Joe Rogan. Like I'm a Joe Rogan fan. Guy's cool. More people listen to his clips than CNN all day or Fox News all day. Or, you know, the the beauty of this, this shock is it forces you to yes. say where you want to be. And then the beauty of the culture that we have and the system that we have is the best idea that is executed always wins. Mm -hmm. In the end, the truth always comes out. So it always wins. It just sometimes can be take time. It can right. be a little stressful. Like we think about our economy today, right? You know, we had the highest inflation of 40 years. You know, we're technically on a bear market. Well, we know it's going to go up in the long term. We know that. It's never not done that. It's just went. You know, got a little faith in the right. future. And we bought a house. Happened. We bought a house, this house we're in three plus years ago, thinking, being told by someone it's about to crash. So we sold our house. We didn't like living and bought this one. And we're so glad we did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because we love where we live and it's gone up 200 and something thousand in value. I'd love to sell right now, but then where do we live? Yeah. But yeah, it's kind where of where do you go? Where do you go? You know, yeah, but, it's, it's tough one. It's funny because back then I remember we put our house in the market in a matter of three or four weeks because of a, a kind of a scare from a, a realtor friend of it's going to, and we did not want to get stuck where we were at. We did not like it. We, my wife was in tears over some neighbors and it was just not a good spot. Um, it was on a big hill. Kids couldn't play outside. They couldn't ride their bikes. And so we, in a matter of weeks, put it on the market, sold it within one day and moved. And the it's only gone up and up and up. <laughs> and it's funny, as a guy back then, a, a financial advisor told me, um, don't buy rent right now. And just wait it out. And then in a you know, few months, then you can buy and, and buy more even. I'm glad we didn't do that because that was over three years ago. It's always a guesstimate. And it's always a, so even in your job, it's, it, there's not a guarantee, but there's definitely trends and there's definitely patterns. And you're wiser than any of us in terms of attempting to figure that out. But it's still a, a rough you know, guesstimate, if you will. It's, it's rough. And I always, I'm always up to mind. So I guess with two things. So when it comes to a house, I look at a house as a home. It's not an investment. It's where do you feel comfortably living? Yeah. There's a conversation about what can you afford? What can you not afford? Yeah. What do you want to, do you want to have more house, less travel, you know, more travel, less right. house. It's right. That's value-based decision. Right. Right. Um, so I always look at it like that. So I, I, I did it in my last home. I sold it to fund this company um, because I bought it as an investment. I treated it like one. I was like, okay, I'm not going to put a lot of, I put a little bit of money into it, but I'm not going to you know, buy decorations. It wasn't very homey. It was literally like a couch, TV, few rooms that are empty. And it didn't feel like a home. <laughs> it felt like an investment to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the next one will definitely be a home. Um, 
But then when you start talking about how you know the previous advisor was saying that oh, I need to buy and sell, I always get kind of nervous when that comes around. And the reason why I say this, I heard this recently, and I was thankfully I was refreshed on it. Um, was there's have you ever heard of the term Mr. Market? Have you ever heard of like thinking of the market as a person? So I think this is a really fascinating way to look at it. So if you look at the market, you know, I'm talking like the stock market, bond market, just publicly investing, but kind of anything as well, mm-hmm. but particularly where you can publicly trade. And think of, if you think about Mr. Market, you know, Mr. Market is a bipolar. He uh, has good days, he has bad days. <laughs> yes. and, and generally he has good days. I mean, throughout <laughs> history we've seen he has some good days, but he has some bad days that we all remember. Yeah. And you could spend all the time in the world getting all the educating, guessing inside of the mind of a crazy person. If his mind is good or bad, you know, some days all of a he's good for no reason, other days he's bad for no reason, right. or you spend your time focused elsewhere. Yeah. You know, because you can do more elsewhere by trying right. to get inside of a crazy person's mind. And there's that's people out there. Oh, that's a good way to put it. Just think about that next time you're a cost that buy or not. Look at it like this. Is it a quality investment? Do you yeah. expect it to do better long-term? Go for it. Yeah. Trying to follow trends, you're already behind. Yeah. Um, That's so you know, good, good advice. Yep. I like you. And just something to think about, right? Just just, mm-hmm. just think as a person and then, you know, you hear this next trend, you know, is that person buying or selling something to you? Yeah. You know, what, exactly. what are they doing? there's there's usually a they they get an economic benefit so have to be careful with yeah so then someone listening right now someone listening what would they do um next they've listened to this they've they've thought through my gosh i need to meet with somebody i don't have a clue what i'm doing or i've got a big decision to make um i make a little bit i make a lot we have investments we don't have investments what should they do now so I think you so need would you, to with you specifically kind of thinking that. Yeah. So, so think of, let's say me, right. So it's, you got to make the decision on, you know, can you be open and vulnerable mm-hmm. or do you just want to start talking to folks and, and literally just that jump right there is huge. Just, just saying, Hey, I have a problem or I'm curious or I'm not sure what to do next. I'm going to call somebody is it puts you ahead of so many others. It puts you ahead of your neighbors, your family, your friends, just by getting professional help. It's like going to a doctor, right? Yeah. You know, you're always kind of nervous going to the doctor before you go out of the doctor and afterwards you leave, you go, Oh, my bad. <laughs> yeah. It, it's yeah. That's kind of how it works. Yeah. Is, is how I look at it. Um, so what I tell folks is, you know, if you're curious, just go to the website, right? It's the, it's woodallwealthmanagement.com. It's, the full, all the words, it's W-O-O-D-A-L-L, mm-hmm. wealthmanagement.com, and just explore. Uh, I have like free guides on there that I, I put up there for people to review, learn, uh, maybe they'll answer a question, maybe it won't. Or uh, honestly, I tell folks, just give me a call. I like talking to people. Nice. And, and start calling and saying, hey, I have this problem, you know, let's have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't do, want to do it with me, if you want to go see some other folks or, or compare myself and others, you know, the CFP board, I think cfpboard.net is a great place to find people. Uh, CFPs, we were held to a higher fiduciary standard. So it's not just for a client, but at all times. Um, so we're always, in, you know, working in your best interest and just find someone you like. Um, so if they contacted you and they talked to you, when does money get exchanged? What do they, 
where, because that's a concern. If I talk to him, then I'm going to have to pay. It's like, so where's that next step from there after a conversation with you? Yeah, so I, I refuse to charge anybody just for having a conversation. I, I don't do hourly rates or anything like that. Good. Um, never been a believer in that. So the way I operate is, um, you know, I, I go and basically say, hey, here's a benchmark I put together just from the national averages. And say, here's the status report. Just here's a health check. Of your finances. Here's where you're at. So the, your finances. Yeah, okay. And like, how do you compare? Just how do you compare different averages, goals, where you're at? Um, and then from there, if that's all you need, awesome, cool, made a new friend. Um, yeah. But if you said that, hey, I need more help in getting this done, and then it's just, it depends on which route we go. If we go the, hey, manage my assets and right. take care of, we just literally sign paperwork. Different. Yep. Right. So how it involved depends. you are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's a good it's one. So if you think of that conversation, for those listening, make the call, have the conversation with you, even with others, deal with that next part later. You're not, there's no money exchange, but there is vulnerability. There is, you're going to have to kind of be, okay, here's where I'm at. Here's my debt. Here's my assets. Here's my financial status. And the goal is clarity. The goal is next steps. The goal is you're helping create a plan. You're helping them figure out their values because oftentimes they don't even know their own values and their, their goals. Absolutely. And no one's judging you. Nope. No one's judging. I, I have a client so who she loves to spend a thousand dollars a month on particular boots, cowboy boots. And I don't judge. You know, not my style. I, I like cowboy boots, but those aren't my style, but yeah. Hey, that's for her. And that's what mm -hmm. she likes. So let's yeah. make it happen. Yeah. Yep. And that's part of their, I, I will tell my money where to go. I'll spend my money on what I want. So if I do that, it means I can't have a, you know, this other payment over here or have this other investment here. I'm spending my money where I choose to spend it. Um, yeah, Everyone's got a different value there when it comes to, um, I want to spend it on Legos. Well, great. Do that. There's a lot of good ones out there. Yeah. It's like, I want the, I want the new hurricane. Was it the hurricane? Uh, big Lego. Lego just came out. I think that's what it was. I saw a picture today. It looked awesome. Yeah. I saw the Titanic recently. A friend of mine got it. It's like, what? Oh my God. Yes. I was like, <laughs> that is so cool. But I'm working on the, currently on the Harley type um, Technic. The pistons actually go up and down inside the engine. And it is such a cool little Lego. Yeah, I'm going to have to get a Lego. I got to tell, like I used to play them a lot as a kid. Like I'm, I'm going to start playing with Lego soon. Oh, we had table full, all the you know parts glued down and they could build cities with the kids. I loved when the kids were in the Legos phase and, they're not anymore, and it's kind of depressing sometimes. <laughs> go back. I'll go back to it. I think will go back to it. Go back to Legos. Yeah, my son got for Christmas the Lego, um, the head of uh, oh gosh, from the movie. Ah, I forgot the, one of the one of the. Um, the Marvel movie. One of the Marvel movies, the the monster, the blob monster. Ah. Oh, this is, I literally watched Doctor Strange last night. Um, Forgot his name. Uh, uh, black black tar, man. the black tar, big long tongue. Anyway, it's so creepy. Oh, I'm going to figure it out now. <laughs> not, not he got so that we found it at Target and he loved building it. And yeah, it's, but I also love electronic stuff. Like in this room, I've got all my microphones and, you know, lights and 
it's been fun figuring all that kind of stuff out and everyone's got their different things. And that's where like with the boots, mm-hmm. it's, if you think again, those listening, he, you and others are not there to tell you what to do with your money. They're help, they're there to help advise, help guide. Yes. Um, and that's a critical next step for us is to make that, make that call. So. And ask questions. Um, ask that's the beauty of financial planning is we can show within a, a reasonable doubt, you know, what, what these differences are going to make. What should I pay off my mortgage early? Okay. Some situations it makes it, some it doesn't. And it's, yeah. it truly is unique to you. Yeah. So the website is woodallwealthmanagement.com. Yes, sir. Um, and there'll be a link in the show notes too, to the free guides and checklists and all those didn't definitely help start the conversation. Cause sometimes the hardest conversation is the husband and wife getting together mm-hmm. and them having that, which you also can facilitate and others. So that's great. Yes. Well, it's been Team a great conversation. Ever. James, it's been good to meet you and talk with you and love what you're doing. And this is a this has been really helpful. I love this. Well, thank you, Dr. Gilbert. I, I truly do appreciate it. I hope I get to come back on and chat oh, with you. It's definitely, definitely. Absolute blast. Absolute awesome. blast. All right. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Family Features Podcast. It has been an honor to serve. Find out more about Dr. Gilbert and his resources for you and your family's growth and success at healinglives.com. And if you think you could use some support along the way, be sure to book that call at bookdrg.com. And one more thing, if you found this helpful, please share this podcast with others so that we can change the world together.